wherever you go, however you go. For energy on the go, it's got to be 5-Hour Energy. It works fast, it works long, it tastes good, and with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. Fits your pocket, fits your backpack, fits your on-the-go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. 5-Hour Energy. Energy on the go. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. State of Digital Publishing is creating a new publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this episode, we speak with Dr. Dave Shafee, co-founder and content director of Smart Insights on how they grew a successful media and training subscription business. Let's begin. Hi, Dave. How are you? Hi, Fahey. I'm very good, thanks. You? I'm good, thanks. How, how's things in Smart Insights recently? Yes, good with uh, good with us. We've got around uh, 25 people in, in the team now focusing on our different areas of memberships and uh, selling them because we offer some uh, individual memberships to help people with their digital marketing planning. And also we have team memberships for businesses where uh, we, we cover the whole of digital marketing in our guides and templates. That makes sense. I was a customer for a while and um, you, you were one of the reasons why I wanted to get into the subscription part. So it's, a, it's an honor to speak with you, Dave. So thank you for your time. Oh, that's cool. I'm glad we've uh, helped you on your journey. Yes, we are, our uh, individual membership is on a monthly basis. So often... One of the uh, the pain points or challenges that our, our uh, audience have is they need to create a digital marketing plan because they know they should have one, but they, they don't. So we provide them with the structure. Uh, they can quickly uh, create that. So, yeah, it's quite common for people to uh, just be with us for a few months while they're sorting out their plans. Makes sense. And it's best not to reinvent the wheel anyway. So you've got That's that right. all mapped out. So, Dave, just for... Um people who don't know much about Smart Insights and just to take a step back, if you can provide a background about yourself and how you got started with Smart Insights. For sure, yes. I've been uh, personally involved in digital marketing for a long time since it was called, uh, some of the guys listening in may remember, it used to be called internet marketing and it was a bit snake oily, really. I think now it's a much more professional industry and, and activity because I, I started in the mid uh, 1990s as a as a consultant and a trainer in in internet marketing and um, in fact wrote a book when was it 2001 called internet marketing strategy development and planning and since then I've been updating the books books on e-commerce email marketing as well because I love uh, explaining how to get the most from uh, the digital marketing tools so I did that uh, worked as a consultant and a trainer for many years and then. I met up with some some other guys who became the co-founders of Smart Insights and we said, well, there, there must be a way of applying all the consulting knowledge that we'd built up on uh, consulting projects. Because really, if you look at the structure of a digital marketing plan or whether it's a tactics for content marketing, SEO, social media, email marketing, all these areas we cover, there's there's very common structures and common best practices that can be applied. So we thought rather than publishing those 
uh, in my books, once every three years they're updated, why not have a much more live, up-to-date and more detailed library of resources that, that people around the world could uh, tap into? So that, that's what really inspired us. And we like to, it's been nice to see the number of members growing into their thousands and we now have paying uh, customers in, in more than 100 countries worldwide. So it's, it's been really nice to sort of scale the, uh, the knowledge uh, sharing and to build a community as well, well where our, our members can talk to each other uh, through our Facebook group, for instance. I know you recognize that you want to more regularly update your book. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I guess, around 2010, it was mostly when you think about when you thought about membership products, it was mostly affiliate sites or specific sites that offered like a course or something where more now it's it, we're in the publishing area in media space. It's now becoming more of a news product. Um, how did you realize back then that there was that need that this can be something where you can grow and make it, make it a sustainable business? Yes, I think thinking of the the audience and what they were looking for, I think there's always been a lot of publishers around the uh, the tactics in digital marketing. So back then, there was and there still is a lot of activity around search, social media, uh, email marketing, and they're all great. They're really important areas. If you look at most websites, they're the main they're the main source of sales, and we do cover best practices for those but what we found is there didn't seem to be so many sites or so much guidance and this is true in books as well about how to create a, a strategy and a plan so where do you start how do you structure your your plan for growth so that that's where we felt there was an opportunity and it was a good opportunity in that it wasn't really sector specific so no matter which industry you work on or the the size of business, you if you're looking at a plan, uh, you're going to need a, a a good solid structure that you can explain to colleagues or investors. Um, so, for example, we use the, uh, the the SOS stack and race planning frameworks because they provide a nice clear structure. So that's I think why many, many members join us in the first place is because they need these the, these plans and structures, although they may go on to look at our advice on the tactics like search, email, marketing automation, landing pages, and so on. So I think it's that that, that gap in the market on, on, on digital marketing strategy and marketing uh, strategy, that, that's what enabled us to, uh, to grow, really. How, how, much, how much of the landscape do you think has become more towards paid memberships, in your opinion, and where do you see the value of free content versus membership content? Um, yeah, there are there are more more um, competitors now. I think in terms of paid membership, although I I think it's quite a commitment. I wouldn't say there are actually that many more competitors than there were originally. There's a lot of people providing online courses, and they'll often do this through the plat- platforms like Udemy, some of the LinkedIn, the, the Linda platform. But actually, it's a commitment because. You've got to keep the uh, the content up to date if you've got a long term business. So, for example, we, we we have around two hundred resources. So those would be guides, templates, some online courses, and we commit to updating them at least once a year. So that means that we have a new or updated content, uh, well, two pieces of content every week. So that's that, that's quite a commitment, I think. So 
because of that, I haven't seen that many publishers uh, evolve in this state space. When we started off, there was marketing profs, which was very much targeting individual marketers. There was e-consultancy, which is more for the corporate digital marketing audience. And um, I, I worked for them originally, which gave me some uh, some background in, in, in the membership model. And then there's digitalmarketer.com. They've been... Um, They've been growing more, more recently, but really over the last five years, I can't say apart from those and uh, the larger companies, I can't say we've had a lot of um, new entrants. It's it's mostly people writing their own courses. I think that would be where people go into publishing because maybe it's easier to do that on online learning development. Is that a limitation of just focusing on courses itself? Uh, trying to deliver the same thing that you're trying to deliver is that do you think that's a limitation yeah i i do really it's one of the things that's been um surprising in one sense there's all this hype about e-learning and online learning and we know that it's popular but it's not the only way to to learn and get advice and what we find is we offer online courses but we also offer downloadable PDFs, which step you through, say, the best practices on search engine optimization. And we also provide templates in Word, Excel, and PowerPoint, so you can create uh, your plans, so you've got some quantitative models, you can be sure of your targets uh, for, for growth. And what we find is the courses of those different types, those different formats of content, the courses are actually the uh, the least popular for us, and I think if you're a, a busy person in um, particularly a large agency or a corporate company, you don't, and, and I, I feel like this myself, you don't have time to watch a lot of courses. If you go to Udemy, it's, you know, it's great value, but you could spend quite a lot of time watching a course before you know whether it's useful. And to really get the value from it, you might have to spend hours uh, listening um, and, and of that, those hours you listen, maybe there's only some snippets that are new. Whereas if you've got text-based content or templates, you can apply that straight away. I think it's really why blogs are so popular, um, that people can get the advice from reading blogs on digital marketing. And what we really do is we provide everything in one place. So rather than having to, uh, you know, our value proposition is rather than having to search across many many blogs to find the best advice we we keep it in one place and we keep it up to date uh, as well because of course much of, when you're googling much of the uh, the blog content might be out of date so yeah a bit, a bit of a surprise on the content formats um i certainly some people love to learn through uh, through video but in terms of improving business results maybe video isn't the best way that's interesting to you. I think it comes down to not being rigid and everyone has their own method and you're going to keep yes, it. Yes, provide a choice. And a um, yeah, and it's a big effort to create the written the written content as well because in, in the early days when we were bootstrapping, I created uh, a lot of the written content, but but these days now we've got hundred, a couple of hundred of resources. We've got specialist experts in each area who will share their knowledge. So for example, we've got a, um, what we call a quick win on e-commerce merchandising going live uh, soon. So I know a lot about most areas of digital marketing, but I wouldn't know the real details of e-com merchandising. So it's important as a publisher 
to have those to recruit those experts who can add value to your to, to your product and of course that they will be influencers in their own right so they can help uh, promote your, your membership as well so i was just going to touch on that point you said that you had 20 internal staff and so are they divided into silos of specialty is that how you've set up the business at the moment yeah that's right it's it's pretty um classic structure really for a a publisher and a publisher offering membership that we've uh, we, we've got a marketing team um we, we we're active in terms of content marketing so our our site gets around uh, half a million uniques a month and that's through to um that's down to quality regular blogging so we'll we'll publish uh, three to four blog posts every day of the week. So we need the team to do that. Then we've got a newsletter for members, again, important for conversion. So we've got guys who work with the uh, email marketing. And then there's actually managing all the uh, the content. And uh, we, we also do research as well. So we've got four or five people in the marketing team. And we've, we've done a bit of a switch where we're now focusing more on the member levels because we, we have corporate members who we will sell sell to direct uh, by the phone and then we have the individual members who will uh, subscribe for on on the site so maybe smaller businesses or people who are looking to learn develop their own knowledge of digital marketing so when you make that move as a publisher from self-service which we were initially to offering the the business membership, you, you've then got to go through the process of explaining the value and um, selling the product because people are then paying thousands of pounds for the membership rather than $60 for the monthly or um, $600 for the for the annual. So we've got around five or six people in sales now. And we've also got, um, they also support a, a sort of advertising component of our platform as as well so we offer what we call a content marketing partnership where we'll work with uh, martech vendors so quite often e- email marketing or marketing automation platforms we would work with so for example uh, we've worked with marketo and salesforce and just at the moment we've written a report uh, with get response around email marketing and we will uh, effectively we'll, we'll promote their white papers that they they produce through our site, social, um, an email, and we may help them create reports as well. So we've got that other side of our revenue model apart from our subscription service, which is the advertising or content mar- marketing partnership, as we call it. So to pass to this question, um, how has your transition from being self-served to to the current model been? And, and for you to be able to do more of the research and be able to collaborate more with MarTech vendors. Was it the case of having that traffic there so that, that you do have the waiting and authority to say, look, we can help you with with getting more exposure to, to your audience? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the, the second part first, if I if I may, as they say. Um, so, so, yeah, with the uh, the MarTech vendors and promoting their services, that, that was really a natural part of of we've actually done that from quite early early on in our evolution maybe 2012 2013 because it's a very common publishing model amongst particularly uh, for marketing publishers that there's this big um, there's this need for 
the MarTech vendors to get awareness and leads. And they found the inbound marketing model works very well, where they, they publish uh, white papers on their own site um, and then generate leads from them. But they don't necessarily have the inbound traffic. So those MarTech vendors will need to work with publishers like us. Um, another example might be Digital Marketing Depot, uh, which is related to uh, to marketing land, so um, they, they don't actually have a, a business. Um, they, they don't have a membership model. They they focus just on this revenue model from from lead generation. So that that was really a, a natural from the start. But and initially, when we were bootstrapping, I would sell that myself to uh, to marketing vendors who who were who were interested, and they would actually come to us because. You know, as as a brand that was commentating in this space, but we've scaled that up now, and we've got a couple of people working on working with those content partners. So you also asked about how we did that transition from self serve into enterprise or more corporate uh, membership, yep. and that was yeah that that was just a natural evolution. I think I think we could have continued. We, we could have continued with the one size fits all. So I think when we launched, it was around, what was it? It was around $300 per year for membership. So whether you were like one person who, who wanted to use Smart Insights to improve your career or whether you were like a, a massive international business, you'd still pay £300. So I think we felt we were... We were leaving money on the table, as they say, because we've got we've got clients like, for example, GlaxoSmithKline, the big uh, pharma company, and uh, you know they wanted to give access to members in different countries and in different teams. So it it, it was really a, a sort of very natural way way to go to offer content to those teams and. When you get into that team area, you you then need to offer different tools as well. So you need um, for the person who runs the marketing team in those larger businesses, you have to provide them tools so they can check that their staff are, you know, you engaging with the the tools and accessing the uh, the content. And and maybe we, we built some interactive tools as well, so people can review their digital marketing skills particularly useful in larger businesses. So you can do that skills gap analysis um, or review your capability compared to uh, competitors. So that, that's another aspect of what we've done, which I think is quite cool. And is the way the content marketing is going, the way publishing is going, is rather than just publishing static content that you might download or view, you can create interactive content in a tool which... Uh, will help a business score itself, help an individual review their training needs, and then you can make recommendations which are more focused on them personally. Uh, so, so yeah, that that's really where we've taken that um, enterprise product, if you like. I'd definitely like to explore more of the technical side after the con uh, a bit later, but um, just in terms of you have heard a few times saying that it's been a natural progression, so. In order for you to build up the site to where it is today and, and to identify your audience needs, mm -hmm. has it been the case of trying to build up a traffic around certain topics and then saying, oh, this, then from that you've got, looked at the data and said, this is, we've, we've found more needs and then that's how we've added value? Or how have you been able to continually 
identify your audience needs and provide them value? Yeah, yeah, interesting question. I think as a startup, you often do, yeah, everything becomes natural because if you're bootstrapping initially and it was just myself and three co-founders initially with limited budget, you just do what's available in the time. So back in those early days of 2010, 2012, I would still have been working on consulting and, and training. So the, the main traffic driver was to use the blog to write about the pain points of the audience. So what one example would be digital transformation. People need a strategy for that. So we would do uh, a series of articles around that, or we would do articles around measurement and planning because those you know th- those are very closely allied with what we try to offer as a black a brand our strap line is plan manage optimize to, to help businesses at different stages of maturity so what we try to do is to to look at the um the search behavior of the audiences in a lot of detail and probably more detail than most businesses do so we, we've got around 10 different areas of uh, toolkits, we call them, which are useful for the audience. So they might be, say, marketing strategy, email marketing, or all of the digital marketing channels, landing pages. And then we would really look at the search behavior in, in detail and do a, a gap analysis to see how many people we were pulling in through our organic search uh, compared to competitors and looking at what some of the good content marketing companies in our space were doing, like uh, HubSpot, uh, very active, um, Marketo uh, as well. So so when I was saying we reach around 500,000 uniques a month, actually around 80% of those are through organic search. So it's really through very targeted article writing on, on our blog that we've been able to to build that and also having content that naturally attracts links, I think. So we publish a lot of research, for example, on social media statistics, mobile marketing. And when other people are writing about those topics, they'll naturally link back to us as a, a credible source and a reference. So that's been really neat to not only have content that's useful for the for readers to when they're searching but other people will also uh reference it as as well so although we didn't have perhaps uh you know a detailed long-term strategy we did have a content strategy an seo strategy which has really helped uh drive the the growth and to to bring in uh the different audiences and when, when was the point where you said, okay, I can leave my consulting job and everything else and focus on this full-time with my other question? Oh, yeah, that's the uh, exciting point, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we probably got to around uh, half a million pound turnover and uh, we wow. were doing well just with two of us. And we had a bit of an outsource team. So we had um, you know, a guest, uh, a blog editor who we would we would pay, we'd have writers, we would pay for their contribution, but we didn't have a marketing team. It was just myself doing that and doing all the PR. So yeah, really, I just became too busy, I would say. I think we should and probably could have done it earlier, but one of our, there were three co-founders initially, and one of them was working in an agency, and that meant they were busy on growing the agency, and that kind of held us back for a bit because they were perhaps more focused on that 
than on um, Smart Insights. So they actually left us at around that point so they could focus on the agency. And, you know, we, we decided to, uh, to start recruiting. I think it was only, I think it was only 2015 that we employed our um, first, we, we, we had our own blog editor, then we brought in our own developer, um, the first salesperson in, in, in 2015. So it's really quite recently that we've moved from the bootstrapping to having a, a business, um, a, a staffed business with the team. That's a pretty big ramp up. So in the past three years, you've been going on a hiring frenzy, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's right. It's uh, it's been interesting, particularly for Stu Miller, my my colleague, and Fran Painter, who managed the um, managed the, the the staff and the team. So uh, the, these days, I I, um, I actually stepped back as uh, as as CEO, and and Stu Miller, who was originally like the ops manager and the dev person. He he's sort of roamed that part of the, uh, the 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 business because he's probably better at it uh, th- th- than me, and I can I can con- concentrate on the content and uh, the marketing. We've actually got a head of marketing now for the uh, the team as well. It's partly because I'm physically not near the team. I'm around two or three hours in the UK from the, from our offices in 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 Leeds. So we um, yeah. We could do things remotely to start with, but now that's more difficult as we've got a larger a larger business. I've, I've seen a lot of cases and I've worked in an agency where um, the CEO has backed down after a certain phase of the growth. Do you think that that was something, um, is it just because you were more passionate about focusing on the content that was why you wanted to be in the content director role now that you are in or... Oh, is it purely from the, the- yeah, so certainly, yeah. I I think I'm I'm really interested in understanding what works in digital marketing and explaining it to uh, to to people in 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 different types of business. And I I still enjoy writing. Whereas, yeah, I I, I guess I'm just not so uh, so interested in in managing and growing the team. But as I said, it it wasn't really an option for me to do that anyway because I'm two or three hours away on a train from our uh from, from our offices so i i feel fortunate that um we, we had uh, Stu miller who could step in as the uh, the ceo and and manage all the operations finances and uh, and and staff and i think he's done a great uh, a great job to uh, to to set up the team how did you meet your co-founders by the way uh, just um, just accidental, really. I think uh, I worked with uh, one of them, Dan, in the agency. I did some consulting work for him, and um, Stu was working in the agency as a developer as well. So I, I've always found that life is, it's if you're lucky, it's a series of lucky uh, coincidences. So the reason I got into digital marketing originally was back in the mid '90s. I used to work in IT. There weren't any internet marketers there and um, a guy who did training for the Chartered Institute of Marketing we have over here in the UK he said well we, we need some people to train on internet marketing but of course marketers didn't know anything about it so I said oh yeah well I've I've worked on marketing projects I think I can um, I, I can explain how to get more from internet marketing so I actually started doing a course in the UK on internet marketing strategy in 1997 um, so 21 years ago, that's quite a while, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's that's um, that's cool. 
And sorry, how many books did you say you have published now? I think it was a few, right? Yeah, that that's right. It is. I'm not I'm not that prolific in the sense of doing lots and lots of new books and doing lecture tours like some of the guys in the in the states do. I've actually got two main, uh, three main books around digital marketing, and I'll just update them every three years because mine are often used by professionals and in in universities. Uh, so. I've just updated with Fiona Ellis Chadwick the seventh edition, believe it or not, of this book we call Digital Marketing Strategy, Implementation and Practice. That's awesome. So how have you seen digital marketing and strategy evolve in the past 20 years? I know that's a very broad question and, and some of us going to probably say it's more data-driven, et cetera, et cetera. But on your, just looking at it from your point of view, how have you seen that change? Yeah, it's... <laughs> Interesting, I think, because uh, in, in the early days there was a very much a focus on the on on the tactics uh, like search engine marketing in particular. I mean, social media didn't really exist in the early days. Um, there was a lot of focus on 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 the web. I think the way it's um, the way it's evolved, as you say, it's become more data driven. So I've been interested as we've got these techniques like big data and conversion rate optimization and A-B testing, as those have come in, I think that's made it a lot, a lot more data-driven and it's it's a lot less about guesswork than it, uh, it used to be. We've now got the fantastic uh, marketing automation tools where whether we're a publisher or another sort of business, we can set up uh, sequences to welcome and then nurture our, our prospects. That's that's now available to anyone, really, um, because we've got tools like MailChimp and HubSpot, which, when you're starting out, provide that at a very low, low cost. I think the thing that hasn't changed, and I don't, in one sense, I I, I don't get this, uh, but in another sense, I do, and that's this um, this focus on having a strategy and an integrated plan for using all of these tactics together. Because we we uh, we often ask a question when we're researching, we say to businesses, "Do you have a digital marketing strategy? Yes or no?" And we are when we ask that question, we've asked over the last few years. There's always half of businesses do not have a digital marketing strategy. Now, clearly, these days everyone is doing, uh, they're running digital marketing activities, but they don't really have an overall plan. They're just doing. Um, they're just working with what what fits. So that that's something that hasn't really changed that much over the years. What's happened instead is that people uh, in larger businesses, I think, have, have seen they need an over overarching integrated strategy. So we've got these digital transformation projects that when we do research on those, we find a lot of businesses are saying, okay, we've been we've been doing digital marketing, but we haven't been doing it in a proper integrated ways. So the big trend over the last three, four years has, has been having those transformation projects so that people have the right structure, the right tools, the right people, the right skills to do uh, digital marketing properly. So that that's probably the biggest change I've seen recently. Of course, looking to the future, we've got artificial intelligence, which is super exciting. But I think many businesses aren't getting the basics right in digital marketing just yet. Do you think reframing it as digital transformation as opposed to calling it integrated marketing strategy has helped 
with getting more people on board or yeah i think it's helped us and it's helped i mean that term is really developed by the consultants like accenture and um, ernst and young pwc because they're selling digital transformation services and it's helped us because we've got guidance on how to run digital transformation projects but i think the the sort of the uh, the destination point is to have an integrated it, it will become multi-channel marketing in future and we've always been careful not to position ourselves just as digital marketing because the time will come and, and people have been talking about for some time a post-digital world so yes it is just marketing and digital marketing is part of that but i think we're some way off stopping talking about digital marketing because there's so many jobs and specialist roles in digital marketing. There's so many businesses now with digital marketing managers and probably more than half of people in the team are specializing in digital activities. But I don't know, maybe when I'm retired in 10 years time, we won't talk about digital marketing, but uh, there's certainly a lot of people searching for advice on it at the moment makes sense the other thing that i was interested in speaking with you was about about as well is because of the integrated marketing component whether or not attribution modeling or attribution tracking is is one of the reasons why it hasn't taken off integrated marketing hasn't taken off what are your thoughts around that uh i think at attribution is uh I, I i don't think it's a technique that is um sort of world changing for, for for most companies. I think many small or medium businesses won't use attribution. They'll use the standard last click reporting of which channels influence sales within Google Analytics or influence leads. And I'd say for most businesses, that's actually sufficient. I, my, my view is that attribution only becomes important when you're a a large business that's probably spending millions in paid media and uh, you need to justify the the investment and make sure you've got the balance of your investment in different media channels um, right. So, you know, getting the mix between, for example, programmatic to reach different audiences against using Google AdWords, against using paid social or, or YouTube, that, that then programmatic becomes important to make sure you've got the investment balance right but i think uh for for, for most businesses that they, they, they don't need to go there because they're focusing more on organic activity through seo and content marketing and social media uh anyway so they just need to be yeah really good at those and have a good strategy for for those and and in terms of setting up a funnel i guess if we're not focusing on attribution modeling uh, or tracking would you say using HubSpot and those other tools help in terms of setting up a funnel if you're going to be running SEO content marketing campaigns? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm um, Just because I'm saying attribution um, isn't going to be a, a world changer for businesses doesn't mean I don't think analytics is in, important. And it's really why we're called Smart Insights, because we're all about using a data-driven approach to, uh, to marketing. And, yeah, absolutely, I would urge businesses to to set up a, a, a funnel model and to go what go beyond what's available in in Google Analytics so that you can really drive your your growth. So one of the things, um, one of the resources we offer for members is uh, we call it our race planning dashboard. So we've got a funnel which is 
uh, a four-way funnel reach act convert engage and then what we will do is we show members how they can use the google analytics api to pull data through so that rather than the simplistic reports you might get in um, google analytics where you can't really see how you're doing month on month year on year by channel you get a much clearer picture of what's working and and what's not working and i think that's similar you you, you mentioned hubspot there i think the the specialist crm and marketing cloud platforms they provide other ways of getting that visibility of of your funnel as well and what was driving people through the funnel so i think that's um yeah that's really important to have some way of of doing that makes sense David, so if someone's listening to this right now and they want to build their own membership product for their own business or even for a digital publisher, what would be the steps that you would advise them to go about doing that? Well, it's uh, it's clearly all around the um, it's 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 all around the content and um, whether you can get cut through against competitors. So if you don't have personal knowledge of uh, SEO and content marketing i think it's always going to be quite quite difficult to compete so if you don't have that personal knowledge you need to get expertise on board around uh, seo and content marketing you can get so far through social media but i don't think you can um, you can scale certainly b2b publishing maybe uh, with with b2c it's it's a little different because b2c publishers tend to have a lot more of their visits through 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 social so yeah first get that uh, that content strategy right and have the content skills in place and then um then really it's all about the positioning against the competitors in the the market so you rather than going head to head against existing competitors i think you've got to find your own niche whether that's i don't necessarily mean a niche uh, audience but i mean your own take on the particular topics you're you're covering so it, it's having that um that brand proposition that will resonate with an audience who will then share your your, your content i think we've been uh, quite quite successful in that because people are passionate about data-driven marketing so that's made them more likely to share share our our content i think on the the, the platform side it's it's quite straightforward now in terms of WordPress, I think, would be the go-to platform for publishers starting out. So in terms of the uh, the user experience, it's really a case, I think, of investing in the designers who are going to make you look bigger than you you are, if you like. We, we were always keen, even when we were starting out, to invest in good quality design, which means people would take us seriously. I've seen quite a few people starting out in online publishing where they'll they'll just use some templates some basic themes and it doesn't really do the content that they have justice so i think that's the other area uh, to invest in for me is 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 in the design so you can create a a, a really compelling brand and how do you justify like because designing and design and development aspect is quite a bit of a investment personal so you have to put a lot of skin in the game for that uh, so how do you justify the return for that or are you just going all in and just really focusing on trying to provide as much value as you can for you for the audience in the initial stage even though you don't know what the result might be 
Yeah, I guess at the very early stage, you could, uh, and, and looking back to when we started, we had quite basic uh, themes, and there are great value themes available now, and you know they're responsive. They use Twitter Bootstrap like like we do. So maybe not from day zero um, investing in design, but I think once you've established your uh, the viability of 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 the content quality, that's when to scale up to the next level. That's when you need to uh, to to invest in the design. Makes sense. Um, and in terms of so you you spoke about finding your niche and everything else. In terms of growth and finding that audience, you suggest mostly through SEO and quantum marketing to get that initial audience and connections. Or is there any other tactics that I know you, it might be a bit different from how you started now, but uh, from how you started. But would you suggest anything else? To get the growth and viability. Sure. Yeah. We, we we were quite fortunate because I had my personal brand and I have a, had a site DaveChaffee.com, which had good authority in Google's eyes. So that meant that we could redirect that traffic across, and anything we published would rank reasonably well in Google. But if you're starting out of the gate, your site won't have any uh, authority as indicated by the links from other sites to to your site. So I think what's going to be really important with, with starting up is forming partnerships and uh, working on influencer outreach. And we, we did a lot of that as well when, when we were starting. So anyone who's uh, serious about uh, publishing will, will have a good network of contacts already. So it's putting in time to working with those network of contacts to to collaborate. So, for example, I would do a lot of guest writing on other third-party sites, or I might get the, my contacts to write on our sites. So then you're getting those those mentions, and you're getting the uh, the links through from other uh, sites, or you're out speaking at um, events. Just when you're doing events and podcasts like today, those are a great way of um, of of gaining links when you're when when you're starting out uh, which is so important absolutely so david uh, we spoke about you spoke about the platform um, side before technology aspect and trying to personalize content so what are what are some of the areas you're focusing on now and, and what are some of the broader industry applications that other the landscape is experimenting with at the moment Okay, sure. Well, yeah, I mentioned before with um, with content marketing how it's becoming more interactive. And uh, if, if anyone listening in is interested to check it out, if you go to our uh, free members areas, you, you'll see a couple of tools we've we've built with interactive facilities. That's definitely the way it's going in in future. I would say the tools aren't really out there yet to create those interactive features probably the best example is where there's quiz applications so we've actually built those tools uh, ourselves by uh, having having an in-house developer but i think yeah looking at, at techniques into the future and personalization i think that's that's a smart investment as is marketing auto- automation when you're looking at your martech stack of the platforms that you use initially I, I think having content recommendations on a site through using services like Ever, Evergage or Bright Info, which will recommend related content 
are, are, are a way to go. And of course, people are still using tools like Outbrain and Taboola. Uh, a lot of publishers are still using those to generate revenue and to uh, highlight their own internal content as well. Although we don't tend to use those because we think they can sort of cheapen the site by the sort of content they have on them. They're not really right for a professional audience. What about LMS for so learning management systems? Is that something that you haven't explored in, in delivering the content in? Because I think that can also provide interactive content in some aspect. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, certainly for, for structured courses and for putting videos within those courses, LMS is, there. there, there is some good LMS uh, available within WordPress as well. So, so yeah, we use, um, oh, what's the name of the tool we use? I can't remember that right now. But, yeah, we, uh, um, we, we use a, a WordPress plugin as our, as, as our LMS, um, and that's, you know, that's been great value for us. Oh, the name's come back to me. It's uh, LearnDash. I, I'd, cool. I'd really recommend uh, that, that tool for anyone who's on the, uh, the WordPress platform. Awesome. David, so sorry, you said that um, new media and digital technology at the moment isn't there yet. So in saying that, what other um, initiatives are you looking towards this year to, to be able to, and what's your general initiatives this year for SI and, and to build that experience for your product, membership product? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm not so close to this these days as I, I, I'm focusing more on the, uh, the, the content. But I think we're, we're using the classic, um, as we scale up, we're using this classic approach of uh, developing personas for our audiences so we can understand their, their needs uh, better. We've got a number of persona toolkits, templates on our site ourselves. So we're for our members. So we're we're really applying that. So we've now got our ch- our structures changed a bit from having an email marketer, a blog editor, and and someone looking after the content. That we now have marketing execs who look after different types of audience. So we have a marketing exec that is looking at our free member audience how they how we can recruit more more of them meet their needs then we've got individual and business uh, audience marketers as well where we're where they're looking after those individual audiences and i think we we've always been quite strong on doing research so we make sure the customer experience in terms of quality and content of design is important but now we've got individuals they can they can ask more questions do more so we've done a a series of research interviews recently with our members to see what the gaps in our service are so that's that's what we're looking at at the moment we are looking at personalization as as well um we will yeah we'll probably hand code that because we think we, we think that will work better for us and we've got the the skills to do it. As I said, there are many good publishing tools out there. And then um, we're, we're quite strong in marketing automation already with, with sending out messaging at the right points in the in, in the member journey. But So we're really just um, refining that. But we're not looking at artificial intelligence just yet because we think there's lots of other lower hanging fruit first. Understood. And finally, David, what's your final advice around developing a membership product and and just general career advice to get to where you are today? Yeah, well, I, I've certainly found it uh, a lot of fun. If uh, you've got to have that real passion in 
in in whatever area you're publishing about uh, I, I i think but the the main advice i think i would say is to get close to your your audience but also make these do the networking so that it's not just you when you you start out so attend conferences find people in your industry or influencers in the industry and work with them i think those are so uh, important particularly when you're starting out so that you can you, you can work with them so that your brand becomes better known and then once you've done that as, as long as you've got quality content um which is a big if uh, the you know everything else should take should take care of itself and you could gradually evolve as as we've done at smart insights awesome um, thank you for your time dave i really appreciate it you're welcome Vahi. thanks uh, Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing Podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time. on the go it's got to be five hour energy it works fast it works long it tastes good and with zero sugar and four calories there's nothing holding you back fits your pocket fits your backpack fits your on-the-go life whether you're going to work going on vacation or just going out with friends five hour energy energy on the go for more information visit fivehourenergy.com